Hello, and welcome to Foreign Affairs Inbox, the entirely student-run and student-produced podcast of the Elliott School of International Affairs at the George Washington University. We're your producers and hosts, Taylor Galgano and Emma Anderson, two seniors presenting you with a journalism and international affairs collab on the latest trending global matters. This season's theme is peace, conflict, and protests. By the end of each episode, you will understand the issue at hand, no matter how complex. Prepare to hear from us and different Elliott School faculty to help with our own expert analysis. Want to hear us chat about a topic you're interested in? Slide into our DMs at Elliott School GW on Twitter or Instagram. Today we are joined by Professor Feigenbaum, who is an expert on the political economy of Western Europe and a specialist on France. He is the author of a number of books and academic articles and has appeared on television, radio, and quoted in news publications. He studied at Sciences Po in Paris and received his PhD from UCLA. To give a little background on what we're talking about today, the first major protest from the Gilets Jaunes, or the Yellow Vests, occurred on November 17, 2018, attracting over 300,000 people from all over France. The protest originally sparked as a result of a petition against an increase in the tax on fuel that people blamed Macron for, despite the tax actually being part of the previous government's legacy. After the online petition, people used social media to organize the protests in Paris, including a viral video proposing the use of yellow vests. The Yellow Vest protesters are not tied to one specific political party and do not have a leader. Since the initial protests, the Yellow Vest movement grew into increasingly bigger and more violent demonstrations throughout Paris and transitioned from an anti-fuel tax protest to an anti-government movement. To begin our questions, Macron abandoned the gas tax, overhauled the pension system, and raised public sector workers' wages, among other things. That being said, protesters started up again in November to honor the anniversary of the beginning of the Yellow Vest protests, and demonstrations have continued since. Can you tell us a little bit about what the Yellow Vest protests look like today, and why don't we hear about them as much anymore? Well, you don't hear about them because they're not as big as they were before. And you have to understand, the movement really has a lot of people from different walks of life and a lot of different axes to grind. So what started initially was a combination, as you mentioned, of hostility to essentially a carbon tax, a gas tax, which is much more a problem for people in small towns and rural areas where they don't have public transportation than it is for people in Paris. So it was especially people in the rural areas and smaller towns that were especially upset. But once the demonstration started, then they began to collect people with different axes to grind. And to some extent, they were also infiltrated by extremists from both sides of the political spectrum. But it was mainly the extremists who took advantage of the cover that anyone could buy a yellow vest to basically wreak havoc. And so they set fire to a number of stores and were violent with regard to police, who are also pretty violent on their own. And so so these things tended to reduce a lot of the sympathy for the yellow vest. That said, there's a strong base of support for hostility to Macron across the political spectrum. He manages to have alienated almost everybody. And part of the reason for that is not so much his policies, which most people recognize are kind of necessary, but his style, which is imperious. So that, in some sense, it's his own 
core political skills that have kept the movement going as long as it's been going on. But also what we see now coming up is an opportunity for people to express their dissatisfaction at the ballot box because there will soon be municipal and local elections in France where Macron's party is not expected to do very well. So I guess as a follow-up to that then, you mentioned why the movement's continued for so long. Were Macron's concessions why the movement then died down, in your opinion? Partially, yes. Okay. Last year, he basically went on kind of a listening tour of France. And the fact that he was willing to go around France and listen to people's grievances and then incorporate those grievances into changes in his policies earned him a certain amount of goodwill. So I think part of the reason that, number one, the protest died down and the fact that plummet in his popularity sort of slowed is because of that kind of listening tour that he went on. A poll showed that more than half of French people supported the Yellow Vest movement. Do you think this is still true today? Let me put this in context. People generally support protesters in France, very different from the United States. There's a general feeling that they're hostile to government or at least skeptical of government. And so that's a lot of the reason for the support. But as I mentioned earlier, as there were more violent incidents and also as Macron began to respond to some of the issues, that undermined some of the support. That makes a lot of sense. Could you talk to us a little bit about how the movement and protesters were divided by class? Well, it's more urban versus rural than it is class, that to some extent there's a class element to it because French politics is very much class-based. But what got this movement started was really rural dissatisfaction rather than urban dissatisfaction. But the Yellow Vest movement is essentially a rural movement, or at least initially it was a rural movement. And it also, which you may not realize in the context of French history, has a heritage that, especially something known as the Pujad movement, the Pujadist movement, in the 1950s was very similar. There have been sort of over time various kinds of protests against the government, and most French people are actually sympathetic. So do you think that this is also something that we don't understand in the context of the United States? Are these type of chaotic protests more common in France than they are in the U.S.? They're viewed more sympathetically in France than they are okay. in the United States. So in the United States, we also have protests. But also because much of our politics is about race rather than class, that our issues with demonstrations also involve a racial cleavage that is much less the case in France. Do you think that the Yellow Vest movement is sort of mirroring other populist movements happening across Europe? Yes, in a sense that there's widespread dissatisfaction that gets manifested in populist movements. But that said, there's a big difference between the Yellow Vest movement and the populist movements in Italy or the AfD in Germany, which are much more fascist in mm -hmm. their orientation, whereas the Yellow Vest is really a mixture of everything. And there are some fascists there, but there are also plenty of people who are not. So how did other European leaders react to the protests? Were they also more sympathetic to the protesters? Well, leaders, of course, by essence, tend to be more concerned about their own situation than anybody else's. And one of the ways in which the leaders of Europe have something in common with the protesters is that Emmanuel Macron manages to have pissed them all off. So he does have this imperious style, this sense that he knows better than anyone, which has certainly damaged French relations with Germany, among other things. And also there were very tense moments between France and Italy, mostly because the populists in, the, in Italy were building bridges to the Yellow Vest, which Macron was unhappy about. So anyway, the short answer is there are lots of leaders who are 
hostile to Macron, but not necessarily because they're sympathetic with the protesters. Interesting. More just because of their personal opinions on Macron. Yeah, I would say that's mostly true. I was just curious if you could go into more detail about the relations between Germany and France and Germany and Italy. I can do both. Let me talk a little bit about France and Germany for a moment, because the European Union is built on essentially an alliance between France and Germany. They are the sort of principal drivers of the European Union and greater integration. That said, the previous president, François Hollande, did not get along very well at all with Mrs. Merkel. And so when Macron first came to power, there was a lot of good feeling. However, Macron being Macron managed to dissipate that and make it much more difficult for Mrs. Merkel. So things are still better than they were under the previous president, but they're rather tense. Mm -hmm. With regard to Italy, things have changed a lot since the government changed in Italy. You may know that a year or so ago, two populist movements that had very little in common with each other formed a government. And the right-wing part of populist movement, which is called the League, is very much a fascist movement. The other populist movement, which is called the Five Star Movement, is more like the Yellow Vest, which is to say it's kind of a hodgepodge of a bunch of people, broadly anti-government, but anti-corruption, but not with a clear, defined ideology. So when that part of the Italian government, which was the Five Star, started building bridges to the Yellow Vests, this created a certain amount of tension in between France and Italy. France called its ambassador. There were a number of issues. Now, things have changed in Italy because the leader of the fascist party, or one of the fascist parties, they actually have several in Italy, which is called the League, miscalculated. And so he brought the previous government down and thinking they would get new elections and he would become prime minister. And that didn't happen because the Five Star swallowed their pride and negotiated with the other party on the left, the big party, which is called the Democratic Party. And so so you have a kind of fragile center-left coalition going on in Italy, and the tensions between Italy and France have been reduced significantly. That's super interesting. Thank you. So do you think that, in your opinion, the Yellow Vest movement has any opportunity for revival in the same way that we saw it last year? Well, anyone can buy a yellow vest for six euros. So who knows whether when someone else demonstrates next time they'll put on a yellow vest, they'll say they're the yellow vest movement. But the reality is that this is the way politics works in France. Politics works in the street. When people are unhappy, they demonstrate. When farmers are unhappy with agricultural subsidies, they dump radishes in the roads. When the left is unhappy, it demonstrates partially because their unions are very weak, they have no strike funds, so they can only do symbolic strikes. And so a lot of what's going on in France now is is the fact that the way strikes work is you try to get people's attention, and by doing that you go into the streets. Unlike, say, Germany, where unions are powerful and so the negotiation takes place behind the scenes and no one sees what's going on. So in France, politics is public, demonstration is the norm, and people accept that. What always surprises me is that how the average French person doesn't mind all the inconveniences that are the result of all of these strikes. You know, the metro's not working, the train stations are not working, and people accept that because they're broadly sympathetic to the issues that people are raising. It's weird, though, because in my experience in Paris, I did see that, but I also found that a lot of the college students I knew were very frustrated by the protesters and were sort of annoyed that their route to school took them a lot longer because of them. It's worth noting, it depends which students you talk to. If you're going to either an expensive private school or a school like Sciences Po, which recruits primarily from the upper classes, those tend to be students from families that are much less sympathetic to demonstrators. On the other hand, if you were to go to the Sorbonne, 
you don't get the same story. Thank you so much for being a guest on our show today. Sure, happy to help. Thank you. We learned a lot. Yeah, that was super interesting. So for all of our listeners, I was actually abroad in Paris in the fall of last year. So when the protests started in November, that was when I was in Paris in November. Mm -hmm. And when they first started, I was very confused what was going on. Obviously, the videos that we described that went viral had not gone viral to me. Like, I had not seen the petition. I had not seen the video proposing the use of yellow vests. My roommates and I, we didn't know about any of this because we were not really in the France bubbles. But that being said, once the protest started, I did get many emails from GW informing me not to participate in the protest. <laughs> and some emails from the school that I was attending also informing me to stay away from the protests. Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting, his comparison between the U.S. and France and our responses to protests, especially living in D.C. and being students in D.C., where I feel like there's a protest every weekend. <laughs> but I don't think that there's the same culture towards the protests. You know what I mean? Like, I can walk around D.C. and not run into a protest, even when I know they're happening. Well, yeah, but there have been certain protests that we've seen while living in D.C., for example, after the inauguration with the where, march. and the women's march where you couldn't walk around D.C. without being yeah, affected. Yeah. And I think the yellow vest was like that. It's just that imagine if we had like the women's march momentum every weekend for like a span of months. That honestly sounds cool. I think there's a lot of disillusionment with protests in the U.S. right now, especially amongst young people. It's a different culture. So it's therefore a different culture of protest. Too. Yeah, which I think is really cool. And it's something that I'm almost envious of. The sympathy and the empathy towards people who are frustrated with their situation. But that being said, I had the opportunity, luckily, to know a lot of people who actually did live in Paris. And it really did seem to me to be divided sort of by what people were studying almost mm. and sort of their financial situation in terms of college students. I think that happens in the U.S. too. I think it's stratified in that way here too. Yeah, so I guess that's a similarity I think that yeah. we have too. Yeah, definitely. Like what you've heard? Don't forget to follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and most importantly, link your friends. I'm Emma Anderson. And I'm Taylor Galgano. And thank you for tuning into this episode.